despite what the media tells you, despite what the big tech censors tell you, is inappropriate. It's not normal in the sense that it should be encouraged. And it invites fraud and undermines confidence that voters have a right to have in uh, elections. So when you're counting ballots after election day, it raises questions inherently. Freedom and God podcast, presented by JPF and Associates and the JohnPFox.com training portal and classroom, where we share commentary, wisdom, and counsel. This is a weekly podcast show. Thank you for tuning in. Tom Fitton's going to be talking about urgent election updates. Uh, the Biolab sabotage, I uh, can't see the rest of the headline, but uh, Biolab safety in Ukraine and a happy Veterans Day. But we can't listen to the whole thing, but we brought a sound bite today for you guys. And also uh, another sound bite from Bill O'Reilly from the No Spin News. Bill is going to be talking about a little bit of um, post-election himself. I think Glenn Beck might be in a conversation. I'm not sure how we're going to go ahead and check into that today. And I am going to go ahead and throw out there a little bit from the, the title today is Taking Back America. And, um, you know, how do you come to a title like that, Taking Back America? Because I had this feeling that we were actually losing our freedoms. I think there was a big push from... Um, you know, the, the, the people in power, the leaders and the political influencers, uh, as well as from, um, other nations around the world where they're all interconnecting and trying to kind of transform, uh, the United States' normal, uh, constitutional republic into a socialistic, uh, country. Now, I know that politicians get on the TV and the news and stuff and they talk about democracy and they talk about well, Republicans or conservatives are a big threat in the MAGA movement. It's a big threat to our democracy. You know, and those are just words because it's not really what's going on. Actually, in all actuality, just MAGA just means make America great again. And what was happening was uh, we were we were at one time, you know, going to at one time we were going to other nations, foreign um, nations to get our energy. We was, we was buying it from them doing it, um, year after year. Um, 
things were being done to America that wasn't so cool according to the outlook of, say, a newcomer, like the former President Trump was a newcomer to politics, and according to his outlook, he, he decided that we need to figure out a way to make this country great again because it is lost its you know, ability to stand and be that shining object on the hill it's not great anymore now the movement with opposition to that to that whole mega thing that movement was saying this country doesn't have a right to be great <laughs> i was like what and see i'm just kind of happy-go-lucky doing my everyday american thing and just don't I, i'm just someone who doesn't want to see me lose those freedoms I like to write music. As a matter of fact, today I'm going to bring a clip for you of a song I wrote and put together based on having a job, an apartment, and the freedom of this country to do that. If uh, if I was being told I'll own nothing and, and be happy, would, would that mean my guitar would have been property of the government? And would I even be able to get one issued to me? And would I be able to choose the one that I want because some of them don't play right. You know, they're too cheap. They're made too cheap. And some of them sound very professional because it's made very well. Would I have the freedom to choose that? And so I felt like the Make America Great Again movement was simply a businessman putting together words that meant we should be energy independent. We should have a great economy. You should be able to get a few things at the grocery store for $7.95 instead of what it is now, $19.95 for those same few things. Now, I'm not exaggerating. I'm, I'm there. I go there a lot. Being by, uh, being uh, the one person in the household right now, if I buy too many things all at once in the cart, most of it will go bad. Um, so I just get what I think I'm going to need probably until next, uh, next week, you know, week by week. And, and the other thing is I like to keep leaving from here and going and doing things and we can fit the grocery store in between. So I don't need to get it all at once and stock it, but I, so I'm in this habit of getting a few things. I think I talked about this a little bit last week. So I guess I'm bringing you the good stuff. I just, <laughs> I got to get through this monologue and then we're going to, we're going to, we're going to go from there. But I'm doing, I'm in this habit of going there and getting a few things per week. And I was, uh, pretty, my, my mind pretty much knew how much it was when I get to the self checkout, how much uh, was going to be coming off the card for, for the items that I would pick. And, um, but within this last year, that changed dramatically. And I was able to, like day and night see the difference without even having to actually count dollars because you know there's five or six things in my little grab basket that was costing me $7.95 to $12 it's now up to $19.95 no exaggeration so part of taking back America and making it the shining object on the hill again or making it great again is getting that cost back down to $7.95 for those items the other thing is some of those items are missing um, because the truckers couldn't get them here because they're so expensive and, and just the supply and demand has been scattered. It has been bombed, so to speak. It has been destroyed. <clears throat> the demand is still there, but the supply, the, the, uh, 
and the cost of everything now is through the roof and it's all because of policy well this was happening kind of not as bad before the president Trump presidency it was kind of happening then too but not as bad um and it was presumptuous for for a politician or, or a businessman to come around and run for office and then say we're gonna make this place great again that was presumptuous because we, we weren't that bad prior to that but the one things we were doing was we weren't energy independent so the regulations got lifted corporations and companies came back to the u.s from overseas uh energy companies began pumping uh energy out of the ground again and they began the pipeline uh it wasn't long after that a couple of years and bam we had more oil than we could knew what to do with and so he built the reserves with that oil we had oil like crazy it would, the, the cost of a barrel of oil was the lowest in history it was so low he had to give some of it away i don't know if you remember that about the third year into, into the Trump presidency, the cost of oil had, of a barrel of oil had dropped so low, that the United States had to donate the stuff to, to keep the, the incoming. And so, um, this was what we were doing, but somebody said, no, that's not great. That's awful. Somebody said, you need to stop using oil. Somebody said that we need to stop doing this and stop doing that. Somebody started attacking how much things are going to cost in ways that are unforeseen. If you tell everybody you don't want them to have an automobile anymore with a combustible engine, and you're just telling them that within a certain amount of years, we're going to take that away, it's a, it's a sad day for the people that own those things and love their automobile. They're out there cleaning it. And they're out there customizing it. They just put new wheels on it, tires, rims. It's the, the kind with, with the black tire with the golden text on it. And it looks like almost like racing wheels. And they just pride and joy. That's their pride and joy out there in the, uh, in the garage. And to have people tell you that that's a bad thing, it's, it's an attack on our American freedom. It's the same thing as I used for the example for the guitar. If, uh, if we turn socialist in the, the government owns everything, you own nothing, how will I continue to be able to make the songs that I'm about to play for you? How will I continue to be able to do anything on my computer too, whereas I do a lot of uh, web web mastering and editing and creation on the computer itself, getting ready to put together some NFTs or non-fungible tokens that is blockchain technology where it locks down the ownership of my art through blockchain technology and I'm able to list it for sale and the buyer can get the key to that and, and be able to own it. Same thing with the music. If I don't own it and stuff, if we're not free anymore, will I still be able to do that? I mean, it's just, I'm just wondering. So taking back America means that we kind of lost a lot of what we were once enjoying, including the price at the pumps. And, um, these midterms come along. Now, traditionally, during the midterm elections, seats are usually gained by whoever's in the White House's opposition. So if there's um, Republicans in the White House at the time, 
and, and it was Trump and uh, the Trump team was in the White House. The the uh, the Democrats had usually in, increased seats in the House of Representatives and in the Senate and took control after the midterms. Um, Trump still got some things done, but most most of it was contested and blocked by that majority, that Democratic majority of Congress. Nancy Pelosi back behind him while he's doing a speech, tearing things up, saying, this guy's, you know, forget this guy, he's not in charge anymore, <laughs> while the president was giving a speech that was encouraging and uplifting, if you ask me. Um, so, the opposition usually gets, uh, loses seats during the midterms, and that's exactly what happened. It wasn't as much as we thought it would be, but there's, there's this, this machine, this well-oiled machine that knows how to come out on top even if the majority don't want them there. They still know how to come out on top, if you know what I mean. There's, there's this well-oiled machine and they know what to do. Like, uh, let's not let the, the vote tally of the ballots happen right away. Let's hang on for a while, like three, four days after, maybe a week. We'll call it election season. That's part of their well-oiled machine to not let the other side, you know, even though the majority actually voted for the other side, they still know how to keep the, what it is they grabbed, you know, power. They know how to keep it. And they do that by saying, well, this broke and that broke and we can't get you an answer yet to who won the election. <laughs> That's how they do it. And it's like they pretend. They pretend. All right, guys. Well, I wanted to just say that this is all about we need to take back America and we can start to do that after these midterms. After we find out that the House of Representatives is no longer dominated by the side that is actually decaying America and our freedoms. It's no longer dominated by those. You know, a lot of it's just money and influence. They're really not concerning themselves with who they represent, the people. It's about all the other things that the political position and their seat had turned into, especially monetarily. You know, all the things that the wealth that it brings and the, that the influence, I, don't, I guess that's how they do it, how they influence. And the, and the more, um, the well-oiled machine, so to speak, so I don't want to be non-specific here, the more that machine pays into that person's seat, the longer they can hold that seat, the more they like it. So that person gets very wealthy. And all he's supposed to be getting is a paycheck from the taxpayers. Not all this, you know what I mean? Not all this other money. But that's how it works. So that's what politics turned into. I want to say right now, you can get, I used to be a Democrat by John P. Fox over at Amazon.com. I used to be a Democrat. It's a 12-chapter booklet that um, talks about the structure of the United States government, what we were forced to learn in order to get our degree in government class. It starts there, and then it goes into the examination of political science and each chapter has um, a good point to make, and it stays on topic throughout that chapter based on that point, whatever the title of the chapter is. Um, I think you would like that book. Um, if not, you know, that's what I understand. It's, it's not, it's like a booklet. It's not even expensive, you know, it's a couple bucks. <laughs> but you can get it on Amazon. I used to be a Democrat. A shocking truth in politics and government by John P. Fox. That uh, book is also in other formats, you can get the audiobook, uh, audible.com. I think Amazon shows you the links to the other ways you can get the book. Uh, you can get the paperback, PDF, the audiobook. It's all there, all the formats. Also, um, if you see what at the end of the book, I usually try to list some of the other books I wrote in there. So you might be interested in some of those too. But 
Taking Back America's today's show, guys. Welcome into the American Freedom and God podcast in another episode 067, I think this is. Today I got a soundbite for you. I want to go ahead and play from Tom Fitton from Judicial Watch. Now, I know I did not preview this, so we're just, we're, we're all going to delve at the same time. Let's see what he's talking about. The title is Urgent Election Update, Biolab Safety in Ukraine, question mark, and then Happy Veterans Day. We may not get to all three points or subjects here, but let's just go ahead and let a few minutes of this play, and let's see what Tom's talking about, and I'll see if it's even going to work. You're listening to the Judicial Watch Weekly Update with Tom Finn. Hey, everyone. Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with our weekly update on social media. Thank you, as always, for joining us this week. A special Veterans Day edition of the weekly update and a special election edition of the weekly update. A big surprise uh, in the election results or many surprises uh, that I'll discuss uh, a little bit with you. Also, we have major revelations related to your support through tax dollars of what could be quite dangerous activities in Ukraine, the biolabs there. Uh, Judicial Watch has some uh, shocking information uh, to disclose to you. Uh, first up, though, is uh, Election Day. Or is it Election Week? Or is it Election, it looks like, months? As you know, I've been, comp- I've been highlighting the, uh, uh, the effort to undermine our election system by expanding the notion of election day to election weeks, election months. And we're seeing this in uh, outrageous fashion, in my view, in Arizona and in Nevada, where there are at least three major races, maybe four, if you count the governorship of Nevada, I'm not sure where that stands. And two of those races uh, could essentially tell us who's going to be running the United States Senate, Republicans or Democrats. The Senate in Arizona, the Senate seat in uh, Nevada, uh, they don't know who won or they are counting the ballots in such a way that it may take weeks, if not months, before uh, we're told who is the winner. Now, I don't probably need to convince you that's outrageous. Uh, counting ballots after elections, despite what the media tells you, despite what the big tech censors tell you, is inappropriate. It's not normal in the sense that it should be encouraged. And it invites fraud and undermines confidence that voters have a right to have in uh, elections. So when you're counting ballots after election day, it raises questions inherently. And the media would like you to believe, uh, don't, you know, ignore what you see, ignore the man behind the curtain in terms of election integrity, which is uh, the endless counting of ballots in a way that, you know, I, I, I think that honest Democrats, or at least voters, uh, don't like this notion of uh, elections going on for weeks. But, you know, this is, this is the reality of uh, the left's restructuring of our election systems with the media's help, uh, trying to program us uh, to accept uh, the decimation of election integrity. And in Maricopa County, Arizona, uh, we've been investigating this as well. Uh, it was further undermined by the failure of, uh, it's, it's kind of a 
bipartisan problem in, in Arizona because the state is the, uh, uh, the state official, Katie Hobbs, the secretary of state who's running now for governor. Uh, her office is responsible for, for machinery and Maricopa County, obviously, generally the elections administered by the Republican controlled, uh, government there. And, According to at least one lawsuit that was filed, upwards of 30, 35% of election uh, tabulators and printers were not working. So what happened there is that uh, voters were trying to uh, have their votes counted uh, while they waited. You know, essentially, it, it'll be run through the machine, it tabulates your vote, and then you leave. Uh, but the machine wasn't reading, or many machines, or too many machines, however we want to characterize it, uh, weren't reading the ballots. Well, I don't know. Maybe they were reading it, but either way, they were getting rejected. And so voters were being told, well, you can wait online and wait for them to fix it, or you can uh, essentially drop it in the box, um, supposedly a secure box, and it would be voted, uh, counted later, uh, at least hand counted. Oh, I don't even know how they'd be counted later, whether they'd be hand counted or uh, tabulated in a different machine. Or you could take your ballot, I guess, tear it up and go vote somewhere else. So sounds confusing, doesn't it? It sounds something that you might not like to go through if you're just trying to vote. It sounds like something that makes you think, I don't know if my vote's going to be counted. It sounds confusing in the sense that I don't know what to do. Maybe I just won't vote. It sounds confusing in the sense that uh, these directions are difficult to convey generally, and are they being conveyed directly or correctly by the numerous myriad uh, election officials who uh, were stuck having to explain why why their machines why the machines weren't working? And no, no, these instructions are not being conveyed properly. And they really don't even have, well, I, I guess in their county, Maricopa County, they have the authority, but as, a, as far as the United States Constitution, they really don't even have the authority to rearrange how the elections, um, get, how to, how to vote gets counted. So there's a, there, there's a regulation or a law that says that there must be a command, there must be a chain of command from the time a person votes until the time it's counted, a chain of custody, that is. And if that chain of custody is broken, it makes invalid the, um, not so much the voter or his vote, but uh, it makes invalid that ballot. It needs to be done again. It needs to be redone. And you know, that's another thing. When you have uh, counties that do runoffs, if, if their vote is within a certain number, if it's close within a certain number, almost a tie, you have to do a runoff election. That, that law right there sh shies away a lot of people. They, they, you know, they can't be bothered to come back and vote again. They just did that. You know, I just did that. Now you tell me I got to come and do it again. I, I went and voted for so-and-so. Oh, you know what? There's going to be a runoff. So go and vote for so-and-so again here in about a week. It is, it's nerve-wracking. I don't care if you got one vote more than the other person. That should be it. That should be done. And you should know the very same day the next day of the election. I used to not even vote, but when I started voting, I didn't realize how disenfranchised the voters can be in these certain counties. We started hearing about it, and it's a, it is the most 
saddening thing to think about that the proud American walked from the parking lot into the the building where the voting is happening, where the ballots are being um, cast. And that proud American, that patriot, went in there and did their duty only to be disenfranchised by the crooks that run the place. It's, it's so disheartening and it needs to get fixed. And so I am pulling for good Americans, good leaders, good um, godly people to, to get in power, take a, be in the majority, put together a caucus or committee that has absolute authority and get this stuff fixed. You guys might not have voted for a certain governor, but I know that if, it, especially in Arizona, if the new candidate, Carrie Lake, wins, that voting system is about to get so fixed. And you may not like the choice that I make when I vote, if I mention it on this podcast, but I'm a nonpartisan for the most part. And I don't go by whether or not they're this or they're that. I go by what they were saying. That's all. You know, it's no more complicated than that. Whatever that person was saying, I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's what this country needs. So that person gets my vote. And I, I'm not, I'm not too concerned about anything else in, of their politics. Just as long as they hold true to what they were saying during, uh, their speech at that podium. Then, and I was going, yeah, that's exactly what I want. Then that is who gets the vote, not the one that's do, that's breaking everything. And uh, up to this point, that's what's been going on in many places in the country. The current leaders are breaking things, and there's, you know, and COVID was a big weapon. They were wielding it for a long time. Now there was a severity to to COVID, and I'm very sensitive to that. People needed to stay safe. If, they, if it means um, getting away from each other and you know, covering up, then so be it. But when that when that smoothed over and herd immunity started setting in, um, you know, relax all that, stop wielding it as a weapon. But they don't. That whoever it is that was enjoying the, their draconian power that they were getting from COVID, they wanted to continue to enjoy the draconian power. And you know what that is? That, that's called being drunk on power instead of being on. A sensible leader. You're just being a person who's drunk on power. You know, we read about that all the way back 2,000 years in the Bible. Uh, it talks about it in Scripture, people who are drunk on power. And to this day, that continues to happen throughout the world. Leaders get drunk on power. I just wish it wasn't like that, guys. I really do. But Taking Back America is today's title. And I think that now that the midterms, um, some of it's still uh, up for grabs. So it shouldn't be. We know that's just wrong. And again, now hopefully that gets fixed for, for next time there's an election that, that all that is fixed. It's one day, same, uh, same and next day results election, not election season. Hopefully we can fix that. We really don't need machines. This is the one time the technology is not good when it comes to voting. Using technology for voting is, is, it's like saying, here, just hit the button on your phone, you're done. And whether or not you get, your vote gets counted, it all depends on that technology. I don't think that's a good idea, guys. Casting a ballot, paper ballot, and having somebody manually count the ballots that are cast through chain of custody, Tightly locked down ballots through chain of custody watched by watchers who make sure things are on the up and up. That is the, that is the time when technology is not useful. Technology is only, is a killer 
of honesty when it comes to that. So that's my outlook on it. I, I, I wish we could get that back, the old school way of voting. And moving along in today's show, don't forget, at the end of the show, I always bring a hope message, and we're getting real close to that. Today, we got Dr. David Jeremiah from Turning Point. He is uh, uh, an absolute scholar in theology, an absolute scholar in uh, the Bible, the biblical Bible. Um, so, we, we'll be listening in to a couple of minutes of that, And but first, let's go ahead and see what uh, we're talking about over here at the No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly. Mr. Bill O'Reilly, welcome to the program, sir. Your thoughts on the week? Well, it's not good. Um, not good for America. And uh, as you pointed out, uh, the Arizona thing is this should um, now go to the federal level, and Maricopa County should have federal monitors there mm-hmm. for the next election in two years, mm-hmm. uh, overseers. So they obviously can't do it. I mean, it's just like, you know, hitting a baseball. Some people can't hit a baseball. No matter what you do, they're not going to be able to hit it. Right. And, you know, the problem is, is it, it, I, I disagree with you. It should not go to the federal level just because the feds are out of control and we won't, don't want to do anything nah. that federalizes an election. Yeah, the, the state's got to get its crap together. Florida did it. Certainly Arizona can do it. Okay. Well, we have a gentleman's disagreement. Yeah. You've got to have accountability there, and there is no accountability, and that's why this is happening. You put a federal monitor in there from the Federal Election Commission, the FEC, okay, to oversee what they're doing, and you provide another level of protection for all Americans. If you just let them do it, they can't do it, Beck. Can't. Well, the good news is... Apostrophe P. No, and they, they can't do they, it in Nevada. Word either. of the day. I don't. I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't accept the word "can't." There is "do" or "do not," and they choose to not do it. No, they can do it. I don't believe they're corrupt in that way. I just believe they're incompetent, incredibly incompetent. And well, look, we're not going to resolve that. I mean, you have your opinion, I have mine. But it is horrible for the United States to have these two states, Nevada. And Arizona, tiny states, not being able to count their votes. Yeah, there was a huge election in Brazil that was pretty uh, close, and uh, gee, they counted the whole country in three hours. Yeah, and that includes the Amazon jungle. Right. Exactly okay? right. Exactly right. right. What right. else, Beck? What uh, else? You well, wanna I want to know. <laughs> I, I want to know. Are do you think we're going to control the Senate, the House? What? Where? What? Who's we? Is there a mouse in your pocket? Yes, there is a mouse in my pocket. I happen okay. to be on the side of freedom. Okay. I happen to be on the side you of freedom. Are. If, if there's one word that comes to mind beside scraggly beard, uh, when I say Glenn Beck, it's freedom. <laughs> All right. Okay? All right. So my count is 220 Republican, and they get the House by a meager two votes at this point. Could be wrong, but I think that's the way it's going to play out. 220 seats go to the Republicans, um, and I I don't know what the corresponding number is for Democrats, but I do believe the GOP will control uh, the House. The Senate, um, you know, I don't know where Walker gets 40,000 votes. I don't know where he gets it. That's what I'm looking at here. So, okay, you're going to run off. And and some people that voted the first time around won't show up. Okay, I know that. Um, but it's probably going to break both uh, Warnick, um, Walker along those lines. So where, where does Herschel get? And remember, 
we had a, you know, I almost admitted you were right. I barely, I was very close to doing that because you said Walker would win. And I always had a suspect there, but I want Walker to win. I want him to win because it's so important to um, neuter the Biden administration. Did you see him with the body language and, hey, here I am, I'm President Biden, and you didn't get me. You didn't get me. Oh, it drove me nuts. It's not what he said. It was his demeanor. Like, I won. I know. Which, in a way, he did, um, but not really. No, okay, I think th- I think Democrats won in spite of him. Um, it was the independent vote now that we know broke um, by four points for the Democrats. That's what did it. The overall awesome? vote in the House is five percent plus GOP, which you know when you compare to the last NBC News poll, which was totally bogus, um, shows you that most Americans wanted Republicans to control. The House. The problem was the individual districts. Um, so more Americans, by a fairly significant number, voted for House Republicans. But there's Biden up there, who is absolutely destroying the fabric of the American economy. Um, and what shocked me, and, and shocked is not um, a word you usually use. It would shock me mm-hmm. is that so many millions of Americans voted against their own self-interest. I mean, I, I'm sitting there going, do you not see your wallet? Can you not count the money in your wallet? It is far less than it was two years ago. So that that is something that causes a lot of people uh, uh, concern and, and yes. questions. So explain that. Okay, I will. Thank you for asking. And this is my <laughs> column on Sunday at noon on BillOReilly.com, where everybody should check in with us, please. It's all about January 6th, and I never thought it would be. I thought that was in the past, in history, but it isn't. So many independent voters are still furious about what happened on January 6th, and as you know, in every single House race, Senate race, deniers, 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 that's what they were campaigning on. Not the economy, not the border, not violent crime. It was all deniers, uh, January 6th, blank, and they bought it. These independent voters, which probably many of them lean left anyway, bought it. Yeah, that was unfortunate. So if you don't want a good country anymore, just keep buying that January 6th was so terrible. But see, when the, when the House Republicans put together their own January 6th committee, they're going to bring out the truth. They're going to... A lot of videos that have been hidden away are going to be brought out into the public eye, and it's going to flip what people think about that uh, that night during that day because they're going to see the real truth. You can go to uh, Nick Cersei put out a movie of uh, Capital Punishment and Capital spelt the same way as the Capital. Uh, not, you know. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, a little play on words there, but Capital Punishment, his movie trailer, the trailer is out there on YouTube. I put up, uh, I, I went ahead and helped out and put that up on a YouTube channel. 
And it explains, it shows a lot of things uh, that they did not want you to know about that day. And the pipe bomber of uh, the January 6th uh, needs to be found out. That needs to be found out. Who did that? And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't what you think. The uh, the speech was okay. He was just telling everybody to be peaceful. Um, the, the, the Speaker of the House was advised to bring troops the National Guard, because there's going to be a lot of people there. We didn't want an incident. And she she refused. She wanted the incident. She wanted whatever to go down to go down. I mean, she refused to bring the troops for protection. Let's just put it that way. And so all these things that is, is not being talked about. There's a ton of this not being talked about. It's just how bad the MAGA people are. The only thing that the January 6th committee actually uh, goes after. So they don't want you to know the other side. But with the control in the house about to flip, the caucus there will be able to start a new January 6th committee. And this time it'll be the op, the opposite information, the, the information you're not getting. And it'll all be on video. So you'll be able to really see what happened. And I encourage you to watch Capital Punishment by Nick Searcy. It's, uh, um, it's on my mind fresh right now. And it shouldn't take but a second to just play like one itsy bitsy little sound bite of it for you real quick. And I'm going to do that before we go over to Dr. David Jeremiah. And I just uh, I just thought, now that I said something about it, this could be a, an opportunity for me right here to just go ahead and roll that, roll that footage. I'm not going to say that old commercial again. <laughs> All right. Let's see. Is the volume up on this community? This is treason. Where is my... Officer, I can't breathe. I can't even... Hey, man. I'm Nick Searcy. On January 6, 2021, I went to Washington, D.C., along with multitudes of other Americans, because we believed that the election was stolen. I saw with my own eyes what happened that day. And what they show you on the media doesn't tell half the story. Here's the Capitol and here's people going in there. They didn't show all of this out here. Did I tell you I have claustrophobia? I saw people of all colors, races, creeds, Asian Americans for Trump, blacks for Trump. I even saw a guy wearing a shirt that said bags for Trump. And since I'm from California, I knew that guy. We're from Iowa. Nashville, Tennessee. And I'm here standing with my fellow patriots. We all standing for America. Despite what the media tells you, boots on ground definitely say something different. There is a sea of nothing but red, white, and blue patriots. These are damn working people right They want their country back. We're marching for the Constitution. We're not, it ain't really about Trump. It's about us now. They're, they're attacking us and we're tired of it. We had a foreign attack and they had domestic support. This is about individual liberty. We don't believe the media. We don't believe you. We don't believe, we have no faith in our institutions. The FBI is now being sent out by Joe Biden to punish people. We're at war. They're hunting down Trump supporters like dogs. You say that again, we're at war. 147 days since my wife was murdered and executed. The FBI, you have a federal search warrant for the property. I step out, I have red dots all over my chest. 
They broke the door down. Hands up, hands up, put your hands on the wall, hands up. I was in jail for four straight days. I, I kept banging on the door saying, I have never had a phone call. The sixth was all deception. The level of sophistication and tactic is immense. Oh, I recognize you from Portland. Uh, I've seen people from Portland here, Antifa. I was paid to pretend to protest. We need to come together as Americans again and remember why we started this country. An insurrection without arms? What are they talking about? And why are they lying? Okay, I didn't want to play the whole thing because it wasn't a part of the schedule today, but once I started playing it, I couldn't stop it. Every time I tried to stop, I said, wait, wait, that guy's making a point. The guy's making a point. Anyway, the, with the new, uh, the new committee in the house, they're going to show you the other side, all this over here that the media doesn't want you to know about. Well, we're going to, it's going to come out. And it's what Bill O'Reilly was talking about that, um, we don't know, uh, why people are still voting to destroy their own wallets and their own economy and their own country and against what would have helped them immensely uh, when it comes to that. Why do they keep voting against that? And Because they were furious. They, they bought the uh, what's coming out of the media about January 6th. They're still furious about it. Well, they still don't know the real truth either. That's why I encourage you to go watch that. Uh, that was a trailer of Nick Searcy's Capital Punishment. If you want to know what really happened, go watch the actual movie. I think he wants to buy eight bucks to watch it, but it goes into detail about uh, the fact that there was uh, there was instigators there that started the smashing and all the breaking. They they put it, they had on Trump clothes and they, they weren't really Trump people. And it goes into all that. And there's video and there's a, there was a pipe bomb bomber that wasn't uh, part of the protesters. There was all kinds of things that wasn't part of the actual protesters. The actual protesters came there in peace. And this is something I believe because I know these people. I've been living around people just like them for a long time they're, they're generally good people but the january 6th committee wants you to think that they're this this uh mad mad evil people but they're not they're not this we just we just know that <laughs> let's go ahead and listen to dr david jeremiah because i want to leave on a good note today guys this is the american freedom and god podcast so let's listen in <laughs> Welcome to Turning Point Weekend Edition. For humanity, for you and for me, is for peace to blanket the earth. His son, Jesus Christ, was even referred to as the Prince of Peace by Isaiah the prophet. That's because Isaiah saw also what he wrote about in the second chapter of his writings. He said, there will come a time when they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. So universal is our longing for peace that Isaiah 2-4 is engraved on the Isaiah wall in a park across the street from the United Nations headquarters building in New York City. That is the reason Jesus came. He came as the Prince of Peace. He is in truth the Prince of Peace. He came to bring peace to us. And Paul describes the peace that Jesus brings as the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. 
It probably means that the peace which God gives excels and surpasses all of our own intellectual calculations and considerations, all of our contemplations and premeditated ideas of how to get rid of our cares. What God gives us surpasses anything we could ever ask or think. The Prince of Peace is just one of 250 names given to the Lord Jesus in the New Testament. When he appeared for the first time on this earth in a manger in Bethlehem, the angels announced his arrival, as you remember, with these words, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. The world into which Jesus was born had a very different idea of peace. They didn't know how we understand peace, obviously. Our English word peace originates from an old French word which means to be reconciled or to have an agreement with or to have the absence of hostility. But the Hebrew word shalom has a much richer meaning. This word is found 355 times in the Old Testament, and its basic meaning is to be whole or safe or sound. Shalom designates a condition in which life can best be lived. A review of Shalom in the Old Testament reveals that it never refers to inner psychological or emotional peace. Shalom is the condition of everything being set right. It's about the total well-being of the person and the community. It's one of the deepest longings of the human heart. Jesus is the one who brings the deepest longings of our hearts for peace to satisfaction. But if we are honest, we can easily become discouraged when we see so little peace in our world and in our hearts. We long mostly for international peace, but Jesus, I believe, cares more about individual peace, internal peace. Yes, the world needs to come to peace, but how many of you know if peace comes to our hearts, pretty soon it comes to our culture. And so you start where you need to start, and that is with the importance of individual peace. So there are three major ways that we are affected by this peace which God brings. Let me explain them to you as we go along and we'll share them together. First of all, the Bible says that you and I can have peace with God. Underline the word with. Romans 5.1 says that. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace in this passage means the end of hostility not tranquility of mind. It's not that we have ceased to be hostile to God, but that God ceases to righteously be hostile toward us. Did you know that the Bible says that because of our sin, God has to be hostile to us? Isaiah 59, 2 says, Your iniquities have separated between you and your God. This peace that Jesus brings changes the image of God from a fisted hand with a gavel to an outstretched hand of a friend. God's anger at us because of our sin is put away. Our separation from him is overcome. God adopts us into his family, and from now on, all his dealings with us are for good. He will never be against us. He becomes our father and our friend, and we don't need to be afraid anymore. And we'll go ahead and leave that right there. I encourage you to go and listen to Dr. David Jeremiah Bible teachings. Um, you can go to davidjeremiah.org 
and it's on there. Just go to the the link that says radio, and you know you can get that full sermon. What I was just playing, and he's got you know thousands of them. So he's great at what he does, and absolute truth is what he speaks, uh, and it all comes from his uh, Bible teachings. So I know that too. I feel the peace whenever you have your new beginning and you let Jesus in your heart. You start approaching everything in life kind of differently than maybe prior to ever letting Jesus into your heart. Let's put it that way. But uh, myself, I, I was raised going to church and stuff, so I've always, always had that subject matter as a part of uh, my life and, and, and Jesus in my heart. So the the thing prior to that, all I can remember is when you're you're being sassy or you're doing wrong and you you, things are going wrong in your life as a result of it. And you're, you're strife and you're having arguments and, and with your friends or your family and they're, they're accusing you of things. You're accusing them of things. You're staying out late and you're coming home feeling yucky about um, something you've done. Oh, strife. Is that what that is? <laughs> and then one day you say, you know what? I want to stop that. And you let, you, let, uh, you turn around again and you, you start praying. And then you write on their calendar, a new beginning. I'm not going to be that way anymore. And that's just when the peace starts to set in again and becomes, it's, it surfaces. And then after a month of convincing yourself not to be wild and crazy guy anymore and be, not to be so sassy or not to be arguing all the time with your friends and family convincing yourself to change after about a month of that you start to see the peace that sets in in your life now all the things that were going wrong they don't go wrong that much anymore i'm not saying you won't still get a flat tire or something but you probably won't you probably won't you're going to be living in peace once you allow the lord into your heart and i encourage you guys to do that i told you i was going to play a little bit of freedom for you today that came from yours truly so now is the time to dig that out and do that for you um this was using a guitar that i was free to go pick out on my own the government doesn't own it and this was using a multi-tracker um and all the other elements having friends that also had their own freedoms and their own instruments and then the ability to write the ability to gather together in the garage um and to put together music and be friends together to go out and play the music uh, in front of people. And all of this came from American freedom. I'm going to play an example of that for you right now, why I so don't want to lose my freedom. That's right.
I spliced in an actual explosion for the last note of that song, kind of give it a little bit of effect, right? <laughs> You're listening to yours truly, John P. Fox, uh, the songwriter uh, on the guitar and singing. Uh, Eric Berryhill, one of my best friends from the Raw Material Band and, and just from In Life in general. Eric Berryhill was playing uh, lead guitar, and then there was Mike Warren, great guy, he was playing the drums, and his brother Robert Warren. Warren uh, playing the bass guitar. These were uh, great. Um, these were great guys. Spent a lot of time together as a band, and we had good times. Lots of good times. So, anyways, guys, that was uh, American Freedom at its finest, right there. Well, I don't know about at its finest, but <laughs> I mean, there's a lot better uh, songs that you could listen to out there. But the thing is, it, it's homemade. It's um, it's unrefined. It's, it's just we put together a, a tape recorder and, and put those songs together. Uh, I did get offered a record contract for Raw Material and these songs. And when everybody got cold feet and didn't want to go to one of the big three where the studio was, they just did, they, they didn't know how to handle the whole thing. We pulled hold up the contract one day and we had a big, we got offered a record deal party. And, but the next few days that following that, I was the only one that was still kind of wanting to go do this. And, but they didn't want to pick up their roots and leave their wives and leave their, their family life there and go to, it was in Tennessee. So anyways, guys, that's just, uh, one of those things you do with American freedom. Now, if, if socialism takes over, if we keep voting against our uh, pocketbooks and start, our money is going to dwindle smaller and smaller and smaller. And pretty soon you're not going to be able to afford anything. Well, the, the government's overspending is killing the, the Fed and the interest rates. It's all killing us. The economy's going down. And so, you know, you might think, well, January 6th was awful. And I don't want to vote for those people. It's not what's going on. You've been public psychosis brainwashed. So don't think that way, guys. Come on. Listening to people like the Dan Bongino podcast. Uh, watch uh, the Sean Hannity show. Listen to the Glenn Beck show. Listen to Mark Levin. You'll find out some real truths that you, you, you've been missing the whole time. <laughs> Thanks for listening into the American Freedom and God podcast, guys. I will do this again next week. Um, hopefully we have a little bit better conversation next week. It's all about the election this time and the midterms. And I get kind of bored with that talking about that. But hopefully we'll have some good things uh, to talk about next week and we'll take it from there. But until then, goodbye. has been the American Freedom and God podcast. Join us every week for the latest episodes. Please subscribe, rate, and review the series. Visit us and comment on a blog post at johnpfox.com. Happy listening, and remember to always show your awesome. Bye.